Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name's Dan Huff from Twickenham Cricket Club. As usual, I'm joined by two guests this evening. First of all, um, our relevant MCCL uh, statistician, Sam and Ali from North London. How are you, Sal? I'm good, thanks, Dan. Good, 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 good. And very pleased to have, well, I think we can probably say an MCCL legend. I'm not sure we'd like the term, but um, um, more or less everybody in the league will, will know our guest this evening. That's um, Luke Stoughton from Ealing. Um, evening, Luke. Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're all fine and dandy. Um, just going to sort of get, get things up and running here. I mean, Sal watches an awful lot of cricket in the MCCL. He knows his way around it. Do, do, do you want to get the ball rolling here, Sal? If I say Luke Stoughton to you, what, what do you think of? Oh, we're talking about a CV that many players can dream of, really. Um, nine times league title winner with Ealing and Winchmore Hill. Um, even standard trophy winner as a captain and player. Play for Little Wiltshire, MCC, uh, Minor County side, and also a regular play for the MCC. Um, yeah, an absolute legend in my eyes. Great bloke as well. And it's really good to have him on this week. So we'll start getting some great chat and some great stories, hopefully, from him. Cool. Now, Sal, first question we've got in that regard. Um, where did it all begin? Um, where did you start? How did you start? How did you find your way to Ealing? Um, what do we need to know? So I started at Ealing when I was 10. My parents live literally over the road from the ground. So it was like having a big front garden. And I played, I went to school in Ealing as well. So I played a little bit of cricket there. But um, really, I, I learnt the fundamentals of cricket at Ealing in the Colts. And then carried on through to the adult scene as well. So when did you make your senior debut? Can you remember? Uh, I think in the, in the lower teams, it would have been probably early 90s, 92, 93, something like that. Um, I made my first team debut, I think, in 1996. And it was against Stanmore away on a hot day. I remember that because I was, I was very nervous. Well, quite rightly so. You're making your <laughs> debut for Ealing. I, I completely understand. Can you remember much about the game? Did you win? I don't remember anything about it. I think I, other than I think I got 30-odd um, and I was batting at six, I think. But then, yeah, other than that, it's, it's a long time ago now. It's so 25 years ago almost. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time flies and, and all that. Um, so in terms of what you've achieved at Ealing, um, I mean, is there anything there that particularly stands out as being as being sort of the thing that you're most proud of or is it the whole career? Because, I mean, as, as Sal just said, you did, you know, you've done more or less everything, right? I, I guess so. I mean, when I look back on it, I, I I think I've been very lucky to be able to spend so much time with some of my best mates all throughout the summer. And you guys have all played cricket, so you know what it's like. You get very close to people and you effectively live in each other's pockets for 18 weeks plus of the season. And... I think at Ealing we were we were very lucky that we had a group of people who were all of a similar age and and all really good mates as well. And I think that the thing the thing that I, I I look back on most fondly is is the friendships I've made, but also in terms of cricketing, I think the achievement of winning the league seven years in a row was unparalleled really. And for me at least, league cricket was was always the focus. The cup cricket was was great, and and to do well in those competitions is a bonus, I think. But really, your your kind of meat and drink cricket wise, Premier League level is always the league stuff for me. 
well that's that's my outlook i know some of the other people are dealing will we'll probably disagree and, and they'll prefer the the cup stuff but um but yeah seven years in a row winning the premier league I, i'd be surprised if anyone beat that anytime soon Sure. Luke, just want to ask you, so in, in your early years at Ealing, um, obviously there's been some fantastic players in the past who, who graced the ECG. Which particular players sort of, you know, mentored you or players that you looked up to in your time at the club? There have been quite a few, really. The ones that stand out. Um, so Umar Rashid, who sadly died um, in 2002. So he was a year, year older than me. So we were really good mates. And, you know, he was always someone who who I'd look up to. Yeah, he was a year or two ahead of me in terms of playing senior cricket and he would, you know, the success that he was having always kind of spurred me on to to want to have have a piece of that as well. Um, so from a, a peer perspective, it was probably him. Um, from a coaching perspective, Mervyn Mansell at Ealing, um, he, he sadly passed away. He was very old um, by the end, but he, he put in a hell of a lot of time at Ealing on the coaching side of things, um, and, and latterly Peter Wellings as well. So I played a lot of cricket with Wello, and he was a very good coach as well. So he was kind of ever present when I was starting to play adult cricket at a at a better standard, I guess. Um, and also the, the captain at the time, Manraj Aluwalia, as well. He was very supportive as well. And and in thinking about the Ealing setup, I mean. Talk me. Where do Ealing recruit their players from? And I know a lot of you guys come through the junior section. I get that. Um, but but is it is it from local schools? Do you have strong links with these local schools? Is it is it uh, is it simply the reputation that goes before you that people just know Ealing's Colts network is so strong? Is there any sort of avenues there that you've been particularly you know good at developing? We've never really actively recruited players. Um, I think I think the last few years we've probably you know, done that a little bit more. But certainly when I was when I was playing first team cricket, we we had such a strong Colts section, you know, there's about five hundred kids in the Colts at Ealing, I think, maybe more now, I'm not sure the exact number, but wow. um you only need one player from every other age group to be good enough to play first team cricket and you've got a a steady production line there. And I think also success breeds competition as well. So what what we found was the more successful we were, the more people wanted to commit. So people are less likely to go to weddings or go to birthday parties or or take a Saturday off um, you know, during the season if, if they think they're gonna lose their place in a successful team. And equally players in the second team. Um at the time we we had a lot of depth in the twos as well. So there was always someone who who could step up. Hmm. Um and yeah, I mean it was funny because another byproduct of of having a strong first team was that there were people in the second team who who didn't just disappear and go to another club because they weren't getting first team cricket. Actually, they wanted they wanted to get in on the action of you know being in a successful team as well. So there was some healthy competition in the second team. Yeah. You know, some of the people who who we had in the twos, including myself over the years, you know, who were out of out of nick or whatever, was you know our second team at some points probably would have finished. Well, they wouldn't have got relegated from the Premier League. I wouldn't have thought. Well, I remember playing Ealing Twos on the green at Twickenham once, yeah. and, and you played. And I remember looking around thinking, you know, this is a better team than Twickenham have had in the first 11 for seven-eighths of our yeah. entire history. Um, and and that, was, that was your second 11. You know, and it was, I can't remember exactly who was there on the day, but I know you, you opened the bat in. And I thought, blimey, the, the strength I remember of that Samir team. Patel played that game because he, he drove me to the ground in his Aston Martin. That was the highlight of my, was the <laughs> highlight of my week. 
Another one that sort of occurs to me though is, is about um, it's about the people you play against, right? Because Ealing's got right a reputation of being such a strong club. Do you sort of get the feeling that you, you've already got 50 for naught on the board because you turn up as Ealing? I'm sure you never think of it like that. But, I mean, looking looking back at it, you know, I, I wonder how strong the reputational um, factor is in in giving you, you know, a small but important advantage. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's not the kind of thing I, I, I ask people really. But I, I, know, I know speaking to... Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm having a conversation with Ben Claypole, who was, you know, one of the one of the finest players that I've, I've played against in the league. And he, I don't, I think he said he'd never won a game at Ealing and every, you know, he enjoyed playing against us because of the, because of the competitive nature of the games. But he, he said, you know, when he, when he came into the car park, his head dropped because, because <laughs> he'd never done that well, um, you know, yeah. team wise against Ealing. But, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, and, and also you made a point about cups. Yeah. I, I find the cups thing really interesting uh, actually, because, Again, just using my club as an example, I always think we've got something that looks vaguely similar to a cup side. We've got people who hit the ball. We've got people who score pretty quickly. Um, we've got people who, who, you know, we've got five bowlers uh, generally. I mean, I know there are times when one or two have dominated a bit more. And yet cups have always been a bit of a disaster for availability reasons. You know, we might win two rounds, but then we'd have the third 11 out in, in, in the third round. And, and that's no disrespect to the first team guys. You know, they've got marriages yeah. to preserve as well. Um, but but Ealing always seem to have a strong side out in all the cups, don't they? Again, I think it's it's down to a few things. So competition for places. Um, at, at the time, right? You know, when I was playing, probably late to, you know, don't know what the terminology is for that decade, but sort of two thousand and six onwards, um, people didn't want to to give up their spot, be that on a Saturday or a Sunday, because there would be three or four other people wanting to to come in and play and and who would be good enough to come in as well. So they didn't want to give people a chance to to, to steal their position in the team. Um, and also, I think some of the, the cup runs that we had were were so enjoyable and the cricket was was so good. And also, it's the opportunity to, to you know, get out of London and when you get to the, the latter stages, get out of London and actually, you know, play on some grounds that you wouldn't ordinarily get to play on and we had some amazing mm. trips you know go and visit the civilized world Luke that's what we did <laughs> not sure about that we played we played St. Just uh, <laughs> it was I can't remember what year it was uh, I think it was 2000 it might have been 2006 I can't remember but we, we played them in the quarterfinals of the national and we had to put out it took us two days to get there basically so we had to we put out our second team yes, against well. Hampstead it's the I think it's the most westerly cricket ground in Europe and we set off on the Friday. We stayed, I think it was in Torquay on the Friday night. Um, Pepsi captained our, our first team on the Saturday because he couldn't play in the national because he was still contracted. Um, and, the, and the rest of the team were from the twos. And then, yeah, we played St. Just on the Sunday. They were charging entry to the ground and they absolutely destroyed us as well. And <laughs> we went all that way. It took us about 10 hours to get there, stuck behind tractors and caravans and stuff. And then they, they absolutely dealt with us, and then we had to come home. Um, <laughs> but yeah, stuff like that. I mean, it's at the time, it's it's not much fun. But looking back on it, actually, some of those trips were were great. You know, we played Bath on a Sunday as well a few times, oh. and you know, it's nice yeah, place to play. Yeah, but I think people, when they get a taste of that, 
you know, that they want a bit more of it. And I think also there hasn't been a wholesale change in the team over the years. You know, the core of the team throughout throughout that successful time and also up till now has really remained pretty constant. You know, one or two people maybe every season stop playing, but actually there's enough people within the nucleus of the side to to keep the memories of those cup runs going and actually make people want to, you know, to, to get involved with that as well. So, um, yeah, success in those competitions definitely breeds the desire from the players to play in it. Luke, I'm going to ask you, so you had that fantastic period of time where you won league after league after league. And I'm looking at some scorecards today and there were some fantastic players playing for other clubs as well at the time. You know, you had like your, you know, Kirk Powell, Danny Laws, um, I know Angus Fraser played some mm. games. So some very strong sides. Which year for you was the one that stood out the most in terms of you felt this was the biggest achievement in terms of the opposition um, that you was playing against on a weekly basis? I think 2006 was was my was my favourite year that that I skipped. Anyway, it was obviously it was my first um, my first year doing it. Um, Simon Hawke had joined joined Ealing. Um, I had to make a really difficult decision in my first game as captain. Um, I actually dropped Arif, who was captain the previous year, and and played hockey instead. And that was that was really tough because Arif's a really good friend. Um, that's one of the things that comes with captaincy, unfortunately. Um, but you know, we, we had such a strong side that year. I think we won it with two or three weeks to go uh, by the end of the season. And. The atmosphere in the team was great. We had um, we had a lad called Pat Darwin, who was our overseas player, who played Aussie under 19s, and it was his first year or first time away from home, basically. And he turned up, and it was freezing cold pre-season. He couldn't grip the ball. He was an off-spinning all-rounder, and I, I had to almost drop him because he got a wicket. We played Teddington first game of the season. He got a wicket with a full toss. I think he got Toby Bailey out, and. Uh, he couldn't land it. And then I didn't bowl him again until I think it was a fifth or sixth game at Winchmore Hill. Uh, and he ended up getting, I think, 40 wickets that season. But, um, you know, seeing seeing someone improve that much in the space of one year was, was great. You know, um, some of the batting was 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 brilliant. Hawkey was an incredible player and had a great season that year as well. Um, plus we had, I think I was one of only a couple of people in that team not to have played first-class cricket. So. It was it was pretty special. Um, the following year, the two thousand and seven um, was okay. I actually broke my hand um, halfway through the season, so I missed a few games in that season. But and then two thousand and eight was was great as well. Um, the evening standard final at the end of that year was I think the best game of cricket I've ever played in. Um, it was it was great. It was Ian Blanchett's last game for the club as well, so it was um, it was great. John Maunders got a hundred for Sunbury and gave gave Blanny his man of the match award. They were good mates from when they were on the staff at Middlesex. Um, but yeah, the 2006, I think, is the year for me that really stands out. Cool. Okay, Luke, so we're going to move on now, obviously. So you've had your fantastic time at Ealing, um, back-to-back titles on numerous occasions, but then you obviously found it to change. What was the reason behind heading off to Winchmore Hill for a couple of years? Well, I, I was having a, an awful season in 2010. I wasn't scoring any runs and my wife was pregnant. We bought a house. We were renovating that and... Um, yeah, cricket was was really not enjoyable at all, and I was I was considering just binning it completely and, and stopping. And I played I played a little bit for Wiltshire on and off um, over the years, and they were 
they were short. Um, they had an injury, a last minute injury. So, so Mike Coles, who was a captain of Wiltshire, actually called me up and said, you know, we want you to, you're available to play basically. And I played, I played in the twos on the Saturday, got naught against Brentham. And I was thoroughly uh, annoyed with life in general. Um, but I, I went and played and then I actually got, a, I got 139 against uh, quite a strong Cornwall side and, and thought actually, well, that was really good fun. And maybe I'm not as bad now as I, as I think I am. And, and I thought, well, if I'm going to carry on playing, actually, actually a change of scene might sort of reinvigorate my cricket and get me, get me a bit more sort of enjoyment out of it. Um, because obviously cricket takes a long time. So if you're not enjoying it, it can be a pretty lonely place to be. So I had to think. And yeah, Winchmore Hill was somewhere that, I, that I'd always scored runs. And it's a really nice club the people are great and i was good mates with hursty he was captain at one point while i was captain at ealing and also andy varley as well and i thought well if i had to if i had to pick any club regardless of geography where would that be to go and play and Winchmore hill kind of came up immediately um you know in my train of thought and geographically it makes the least sense for me because it's i think 17 miles door to door to go there so around the north circular which is a, a, a massive pain, but it was, yeah, it was brilliant. And I, I really enjoyed it. Another thing as well at Ealing, if you wanted to play first team cricket, you really had to commit at that time to, to playing Saturday and Sunday because of the cups as well. And I, I just couldn't do that. I, I still wanted to, to play uh, Premier League cricket, but I didn't want to have to play cups as well. And, you know, it made, it made sense to go and, and play for Winchmore Hill because I didn't really take the cups as seriously as, as Ealing. So. And it turns out it was it was great, and I, I loved it. Of of the two sides, what what would you say were the sort of comparisons that you had that obviously made them both so you know successful during their times? Um, a lot of the guys, a lot of the lads at the hill were, were similar in, in to Ealing in terms of they played a lot of cricket together over the years. Uh, the average age at the hill was probably considerably older in the first team than than the Ealing side. Um, of the previous few years. Um, quite a few difficult characters in both teams as well. And it was, I'm just trying to think of the right way to say it really, but I mean, Adam Howarth at, at, at Winchmore Hill did, did a fantastic job you know, keeping everyone in, in check and making sure that ev everyone in the team was, you know, wanting the same the same goals at the end of the end of the season and, and and for each game as well and the way that he managed that team was was absolutely exceptional and um, you know you look at the the guys in there you know Dave Lane Scott Newman they're, they're all good mates but you know Gat Thorpey a few others you know that those guys are they all they've all played a lot of cricket and they all have opinions about how things should be done but um yeah Adam pulled pulled all that, that together and I think it's the key to a good side as well is, is being good mates and spending time off the pitch together as well. And, you know, there's... It's a dressing room, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And a, cu a couple of the teams I can think yeah, of... Makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there have been teams over the years in the Middlesex League who turn up with you know, new players every year, superstar, big-name players, um, for whatever reason, and invariably don't do very well at the end of the season. But, you know, when there's no substitute really for having 
11 blokes in the team who are, who are really good mates and have some banter, you know, during the winter as well, go and play golf together or go to the pub or whatever. And a lot of that transpires, transposes very well to, to cricket. You know, people know each other inside out. The, the roles within the team become cemented as well. People know exactly what to do in certain situations. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Adam, Adam himself, you know, from a bowling perspective, he's a fine bowler, but Thorpey was getting, Thorpey was bowling sides out regularly. And then, you know, Scott and David Lane were, were knocking runs off. I, I think I, in 2012, I, I batted three and I didn't bat for a month because those guys kept, <laughs> kept, uh, kept winning us games. And then I think when I, when I did get a hit, I, I hold out to cover for Nortle at Hornsey. So, um, <laughs> But not that you remember it, not that it preys on your mind at all, I can tell. No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Another ground I've never scored any runs at. I was going to ask you, oh, it works like that though, doesn't it? And there's yeah. some grand, and you know what, there's some grounds I don't like very much where I used to score runs and vice versa, grounds I'd love to play at but couldn't, you know, couldn't get the balls to square. Um, I was going to ask you about minor county stuff, Luke. I mean, it's quite interesting. How did you end up at Wiltshire? Pretty random, actually. Uh, one of my best mates from university, this guy called Richard Bedbrook, who's now, I think he's second team coach at Surrey now. Um, but he, he was captain. He played for Devizes. He grew up playing for Devizes Cricket Club. And, yeah, they had they had a whole load of injuries. I think my first game was in, uh, when was it, 2008 against Cheshire um, at Trowbridge. And Traditionally, uh, strong county Cheshire normally, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they were strong. So we, I think there were five or six of us making our debut in that game. No, they were that short and they didn't have any – at the time, I think their youth section weren't that strong, so they didn't have anyone to pick from from the younger team. So, um, so Neil Charlo, who's a coach, said to, to Bedders, "You know, have you got any mates?" And he called a few of us in, and yeah, I got I ended up I got ninety nine. The- so I love that My, minor counties cricket. Have you got any mates? Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> it was, it was like that. Um, <laughs> so first innings, I nicked off for one. Well, no, LBW for one, and then second innings, nicked off for ninety nine, um, which was really disappointing, but. I was quite happy with it at the same time. Um, and then after that, I carried on playing just a, f- a few games when I could, really. Um, every game I played, every three-day game involved taking two days holiday, which when you're married and you know, with other commitments and stuff, it's not, it's not that easy, really, to, to take or sacrifice so much of your holiday to play cricket. So I played the odd game when I could and... Just really enjoyed it. Again, it was another another opportunity to get out of London and, and play on some grounds, which ordinarily you wouldn't get the chance to play on. Um, also, a great great bunch of lads. Did you ever play Shropshire? Luke, no, we didn't. Did they, you play Shropshire at all? Was that they weren't in our? I don't, th- I don't oh, well. think they were in our division, um, or at least I, I didn't play against them. It is. It's East West, isn't yeah. it? It's it, it's an odd setup, you know. Yeah. So we, we had, okay. we had no, Wales, Oxfordshire, uh, Cornwall, uh, Cheshire. Yeah, I can't remember the rest. No, that's our league. Okay. No, that's Shropshire's league, so you probably right. just didn't know. Yeah, that. I didn't. Um, I was going to ask you about standard. Because um, the standard's the standard's an odd one, isn't it? Because uh, as you've inferred before, I mean, sometimes you get you know you get young lads, quite frankly, who are making their way yeah. and, and they're trying to perhaps get a springboard into the professional game. And sometimes you get real seasoned pros who've been around. I mean, and Chris Peplow's done a fantastic job for Berkshire. Yeah. Um, but I guess that can mean the standard the standard could vary a bit, right? What What was your experience? Is, is it higher or lower than the, the county league to start? I think it's it's as high, if not slightly higher, from from right. from my experience. I it was it was high enough to be a real challenge without feeling like you were playing a test match. If you sort of mean, you know that you you felt that if you yeah, bad, yeah. well, at least I always felt if I batted properly, then I'd I'd be in with a chance of 
of doing 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 okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it depends on who you were playing, really. So we played Wales a few times, and they they were they were effectively Glamorgan's third team, and they took it very seriously. You know, they, they they had a curfew; um, they couldn't go out at night. Whereas all, all the Wiltshire boys were jumping in taxis to Bath and going on the lash during the during the three day games, which were great, which was great fun. Um, but yeah, uh, the Welsh team they were. Hopefully they don't listen to this, but they, they were relatively humourless in their approach to cricket. So um, I remember we played we played one game at, <laughs> at Trowbridge, and it was it was raining, and we we snatched. They were they were hammering us, and we got saved by the rain. And and you know there'd been a bit of a delay getting the covers on, which they weren't happy about. And we all went out to shake hands with them, sort of smirking, and they had faces like thunder. So, um, but yeah, in general, the standard is good, and. Yeah, you get quite a few ex-pros. We had Wes Durston playing for us at Wiltshire. We had, I didn't play in the game, but we had Andy Caddick play one game as well, coming back from injury. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, just good fun, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do, I, yeah, I wonder about minor counties cricket. I mean, I appreciate, you know, this this is sort of going slightly off topic, but um, it, it's, a strange, it's a strange place in the cricket um, pyramid, isn't it? And I know, I mean, I, I obviously follow it quite a bit having a background in Shropshire, but certainly the Shropshire cricket playing public has fallen out of love with the Shropshire team. And the reason for that is very simple. They, they don't recognise the players who are playing. Um, and they don't, I mean, Gurdjieff Sandu from our club at Twickenham, he played a few games for Shropshire. Gurdjieff is a lovely bloke, as I'm sure you know. But people looked at him and thought, well, why is Gurdjieff Sandu from Middlesex come to play for Shropshire? And, and that's a good question. <laughs> and when you've got five or six guys that they don't recognise, they stop going to watch. Um, and, and there was, there's a real tension there now. And I, I think that's true in lots of places, actually. And so I, I wonder if the minor county setup needs, needs a revamp somehow to, to, to try and to try and bring it a bit, a bit back to where it was or just to do something more constructive with it. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. Maybe. I mean, I'm a bit out of the loop, to be honest. I haven't played for a few years now. But I, I think at least when, when I was playing the odd game for Wiltshire, then they, they probably needed that. They needed some people to come in and, and help them, whereas... They've actually gone full circle now. So yeah. Tom Morton, who was um, who was director of cricket at Ealing, and you know scored a, a shed load of runs a couple of years ago. So I, I played a bit with him at Wiltshire as well, and, and he's now director of cricket. He left um, left Ealing. Yeah, you know, he was director of cricket at Ealing, but he went to become director of cricket at Wiltshire. And I know they've now got you know a real sort of nucleus of homegrown talent within the team. And I know Berkshire have also done that because. You know, being good mates with Peps as well. Yeah, you know, he's he's still playing there, obviously. Yeah. But you know, I remember when we played Berkshire, they they turned up one day with um, with Sean Udell, uh, and then they had uh, I think David Balcom and David Griffiths, the Hampshire opening bowlers, you know, and then and then uh, a load of other people from sort of outside of the league as well. But I know now that they have they have a a great link with Middlesex, and yeah, Middlesex almost see them as as their third team now, I guess, and um. Yeah. They, they they changed things around as well, and they are the best team by a distance. Yeah. They are the best yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. They're a really good side. Um, so at least at least based on the evidence from those those two teams, it seems to have changed. Luke, Luke, I want to move on to the MCC now. Obviously, you've been a player member for a few years now. You're a player rep as well. Is that correct? I think you've done some I, I used to helping that part yeah. as well, and also you, yeah, you used to be, and, you, and you've toured on abroad as well. I know you've been to Argentina and Denmark with the MCC. So I want to give us an insight, and I mean one maybe how you get involved with becoming an MCC play member and also 
some of obviously the highlights in your time what you've been playing for for you know the MCC sure so I, I I did the membership thing when I was at university actually it was actually I'm really glad that I did it then because it's a requires a significant investment of time in order to do it um so you have to send in your form by September I think it's the end of September in order to to start your probation period for the following year um, and then the the criteria is that you, you play a minimum of 10 games over two seasons and at the end of that they they take a look at how how you're doing there's no hard and fast rules in terms of what you need to average or how many wickets you need to take but the general feeling is if you if you score at least 100 um, and take two or three threefers if you're a bowler um, if not better than um, you know you, you've done you've done well enough but you know, it's a great thing to do and some of the cricket that that's on offer there is is fantastic you know throughout the summer there's I don't know how many hundreds of fixtures they have but you know they're, they're putting out multiple teams on, on any given day during the summer they also have secretaries games as well which are the, the kind of higher standard ones which you have to apply centrally and then they pick teams for so I've been lucky enough to play at Lords a couple of times I played against Scotland in 2015 I think or 14 and a couple of years ago uh, against the national champions Wanstead because when the national final was played at other grounds outside of Lords the last couple of years they, they said to the, the, the winners of the national well you can play at Lords the following season at the start of the season so um, we had a great game mm. in April against Wanstead um, it was like 3.30 played 3.20 or something it was it was great um, and then great game there speaks the batsman yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm with you all the way, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but it was, it, you know, it's, it's a great thing to do, and the opportunities that it gives you. Of course, you know, when you get in, it's a great way to bypass the the 25 year waiting list or whatever it is, and you can you pay your subs, and then you you can walk into Lords any day of the summer that you want. You know, you can you can watch 10 days Test cricket there if you want to, and um, and then the overseas tours are are amazing as well. So the Argentina tour was was really really good you know obviously it's all expenses paid as well they, they they sort everything out and you stay in nice hotels and have nice hospitality in the evenings and and see these countries where you wouldn't i ordinarily go you know if, I, if i'm looking to go on holiday with the family as, as nice as argentina is I, I probably wouldn't go there i'd go to australia and see friends or, or go to america or something but it's a great way to to go and see the world and it's surprising where cricket is played around the world as well. You know, they go to Thailand and Sweden and you know, I think they were in Sierra Leone this year as well. So it's it's really cool. They go on seven year, I think it's seven year cycles of, of touring venues. So um in the Argentina tour that, that I went on, the previous the previous tour um that happened seven years before that, they took a really strong side um Peter Trigo who played for Middlesex and Somerset, he was captain of it. And Argentina beat um, beat the MCC um, on on that on that trip. So we took a an even stronger side um, when I went. We had uh, we had Steve Kirby on that, Darren Maddy as well. Steve Snell they played for Gloucestershire, and I think Argentina had a few few players retire, so they weren't as strong. But it was a it was a great great way to see the country and you know, a really good bunch. And then Denmark was fun as well. Um, better standard in Denmark. They, they're actually pretty good at cricket out there. We played against their A team a couple of times. Um, Ole Mortensen. 
Danish bloke who played for Derbyshire in the 80s. I remember watching him on, on yeah. BBC Two on Sunday afternoons. Holy Morton's. Well, Amjad Khan turned up That's to one of the games. That's not alone. Um, remember him? Played for, oh, right. played for England. Yeah. yeah, played for Kent, doesn't he? Yeah. Old absolute rockets yeah. by all accounts. Luckily, he didn't play against us, but he, he turned up mm. to watch. We were all a bit worried when we saw him struggling to the ground. Blimey. And am I right in saying the MCC takes part in um, sort of sort of tournaments, re- regional tournaments, maybe? Um, I think they went to Costa Rica last year, or was it in, in Mexico? And, and and Clint McCabe was telling me that, that they were involved in in some sort of regional tournament as well there against against um, developing nations in that, that neck of the woods? Yeah, it, it depends on, on what's happening at any one time, I think, where they go. So I think the Costa Rica thing, there happened to be a, yeah. a T20 tournament at the same time. So the MCC put a team in. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the, the normal format is that they'll play against the national team of wherever you go. And then they'll also arrange games against clubs or, or other representative sides or schools, that sort of thing, depending on, on the level of cricket that's available out there. But yeah, I'd, I'd thoroughly recommend to anyone to do it. And I know Twickenham, Clint and, and Dave Russell have both done it and they, they really enjoy it. And Carlos as well. And it's a, it's a great way to... Yeah. Oh, they're all big fans. Yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a great way to network as well, particularly if you're... You know, a stage in your in your career where you're interested in talking to people and what opportunities are out there. It's, it's amazing the kind of contacts you can make across different industries and different walks of life. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And I think also you you're playing some great grounds. No, you, you don't go and play on a bomb site in the middle of nowhere. These, these are fantastic sort of days, aren't they? The proper cricket in days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, lunches and teas are, are fantastic at most of them as well, which is the most important <laughs> thing, right? Um, yeah, some of these old, Absolutely. old yeah. private school grounds, you could play first-class cricket on them quite easily. And it's obviously the highlight of the season playing the MCC as well. So they, they roll out all the hospitality. There's normally a bit of wine knocking around at lunchtime as well. So uh, MCC always bats first. So try and get up the order, go and have a hit, get up for lunch and have a couple of glasses of wine to tide you over. Is that a serious comment? The MCC does always about first. Is that right? Yeah. Well, in most cases. Yeah, occasionally a, a, a school kind of throws a spanner in the works and chooses to bat first. But yeah, the kind of unwritten rule is that the MCC bat first. With, with good reason. Like with, with good reason, to be <laughs> fair, because a lot of the school sides are, are re- not relatively enough, weak. Yeah. And, you know, against an average school yeah. side, a normal, normal MCC game will go. MCC bats first, gets 250, and the school are... You know, hundreds to 150 for eight blocking out for the draw. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like a great, a great thing. And I know from from some of the guys that I know, they they talk very highly of it. So if if players feel that they're good enough to to, to get into that sort of cricket, then I, I guess I guess you'd encourage them to to give it a whirl, right? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I believe Evan Flowers is taking over the the rep role for for our um, area. Chris Glasper did it after me. There's a we have a three year shelf life to. To doing those roles so I think Evan's taking it over now right but I've just seen here um, there's a mere 559 games this year that the MCC have got scheduled so um, there's a bit of cricket going on well whether they'll play this year or not is not a matter I suppose given the what's going on beyond cricket but um, you know that you certainly do have a lot of games uh, um, on the agenda there uh, one last sort of substantive thing I wanted to ask you Luke and it's I guess it's a little bit it's, it's not quite as positive as that experience with the MCC yeah um, the um, Ealing obviously have played lots of um, uh, knockout cricket as we've talked about and one of the sort of games that I remember w- was when you when you lost in the national to the West Indian Cavaliers 
Yeah. Um, now, it looked as an outside, I mean, I'm absolutely an outsider looking in. It looked like it was probably a pretty disappointing um, uh, day. Um, the most disappointing day in your, in your sort of club career? Or, or would that just, is that over-dramatising it? What, what went wrong? And, you know, could you talk us through it? I think that's a fair comment. Yeah, the, the national really is, is the holy grail for Ealing now. Yeah, we, we've, we've won the yeah. league multiple times, the evening standard, which you know, sadly doesn't run anymore. It's a great competition, but we won that. Whereas the national, we've been in the final, it's four times now and, and, and never won it. And, you know, I, I certainly won't have the chance to, to, to play in one of those again. But, yeah, the, the whole thing was, was a, a shambles, really. Um, firstly, we were playing. We played at the Riverside in Durham in September. Um, Durham won the championship that year, um, and they they had a championship deciding game starting at the at the Riverside two days later. So the ground staff didn't want us anywhere near any of the ground really. Um, Ollie Wilkin was not allowed to play for us um, because he played one Pro Forty game for Middlesex. And I don't think he really did anything in that game anyway, uh, in terms of, you know, his, his own performance. Uh, and then the umpires made a complete hash of it. Um, just trying to remember exact, the exact details, but um, we were penalised for a slow overrate when I think at all times throughout the game, our overrate had been higher than the West Indian Cavaliers. Uh, and at the end, I think they needed, they thought they needed two to win. They hit, they hit two, run off the ground, pulled the stumps out, et cetera. And the umpires had miscalculated um, the Duckworth Lewis. And so, um, yeah, we had to come back out again, which was a bit of a joke. And yeah, Ollie not being allowed to play was, was, was really galling because their team effectively were, a load of, they had 11 mercenaries in their team and they had uh, they had Bill Al-Shafiat playing who, who that winter had been playing as an overseas pro for one of the Zimbabwean first class sides and he was allowed to play but Ollie wasn't having played having been a homegrown player and played one pro 40 game and they also had um, Atta Ur-Rayman playing for them as well I don't know if you remember he was no, it was even Wakar era. Got done for match fixing. Yeah, so uh, he got done for match fixing and uh, turned up playing for the West Indian Cavaliers. Um, they Kirk Edwards? Uh, possibly. Did Kirk Edwards play for then, or was that not the same year? Mm, he definitely played for him. Yeah, and they, they also had, uh, what's his name? Uh, the left-hander who played for England. Um, sorry. Afsal. Was my Afsal? Afsal. Was it him? Yeah. So he played. Osman Afsal, why not? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, if, if I had a list of people who I, I haven't enjoyed playing against, he'd be captain. Um, yeah, yeah, he turns up. <laughs> he comes out in his, in his Surrey gear, Surrey helmet, Surrey jumper, uh, giving it big ones. Yeah. You know, he'd retired like 10 years before that. Um, and, yeah, just the whole day was, was thoroughly unpleasant, to be honest. And it was a real shame because... You know, we, we had a, a great team, great bunch of, of, of lads who are good mates to get, you know, on and off the pitch, growing up playing cricket together, all homegrown players predominantly or who'd played for the club for years. And you come up against a team like that who are just bankrolled by 
you know, I'm not sure what the guy does, but you know, they're bankrolled by someone, and um, yeah, and and but yeah, the, the Ollie Wilkin thing was was really gutting, and um, you know, not least for Ollie as well, because you know, there's nothing he would have liked more than to play in that. Um, but I, I believe the ECB changed the rules uh, for the following season after that. But we su- we submitted and oh, I'm sure that made you feel a little bit better. Yeah, not really. <laughs> I mean, we we submitted a. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No good to I mean, you. Chris Chris Ailey, who was our scorer. <laughs> Luke, we're going to cheer you up now, Luke. We don't want to end on a on a sad note, so we're going to cheer you yeah. up with our quick fire quiz, as you know, if you've heard it before. I had one question, though, Jack. Can I dive in one more question? Okay, yeah, I'm go always ahead. intrigued about what people do off the field. What, what, can I ask? What, what, when you're not playing cricket, um, what do you do off the field, Luke? What, what do you do for a living? Just sort of a bit more about you in the non-cricketing world. Okay, so I I work for a, a data analytics consultancy. So we specialize in data visualization. Um, so uh, broadly speaking, we, we turn numbers into pictures. So we create uh, dashboards out of data, so maps and interactive charts and things like that. Um, and yeah, in terms of when I'm not playing cricket, I play with the golf. Um, my winter sport is table tennis. So when I was a kid, I, I played a lot of table tennis uh-huh. um, to a similar standard as cricket. And I've taken that up again in the last five years so I play in the league during the winter and and then the rest of the time really guys if you, if you bear with me I've got, got one anecdote about table tennis it might mean more to you Luke, than anybody else yeah. when I, I started lecturing I'm at work at university University of Nottingham okay. and I did, a, did my first ever lecture and there's 20 students in the room and I'm you know, quite nervous give the lecture and um, you know, four or five of them are, are not from the UK um, so I'm, I'm trying to make sure I get the level right no idea how it's gone on next week I come back um, same same course yeah. there's a queue of 200 people outside the lecture theatre right and I'm thinking, you know, I thought it was good too. Yeah, they're flocking in. <laughs> and it turns out that one of our students is um, a Chinese four-time world champion table tennis, <laughs> table tennis player. No and um, all, all of the Chinese students on campus uh, had, had heard that she's here and they found out because somehow or other they you know, found out a timetable. So they're all queuing outside my lecture theater to, to, to get, you know, get the autographs from, from this uh, superstar t- table tennis player. And she's that good and that famous, I can't actually remember her name. But um, yeah, it was an odd one. You know, I just thought, you know, table tennis, you forget in some parts of the world, it's absolutely <laughs> massive. Um, and yeah, it was, it was an interesting start to my working career. But I also hear you like uh, rock music, Luke. Talk to us a bit about this and any particular things we need to know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've played the guitar for a long time. So I, I played in the band for five or six years, um, playing kind of all our original music, current stuff. Um, where I met my wife, actually. So she was. Um, her best friend started, um, well, she was seeing our drummer, I think. So, and uh, I met her at, at one of our gigs uh, back in the day. And yeah, I don't play as much as I used to, but I, I, I love it. Um, any kind of guitar based music is right up my alley, to be honest. Cool. Okay, Luke, so we're going to move on to the quiz now. Um, as you know, it's going to be a few questions. Now, some you can elaborate if you want to, some you can answer with a single yes or no answer or, or the option that's available. So, we're going to start off with a bit of a tricky one, I reckon. Um, obviously, you've played against some fantastic team bowlers in your time at the league. You've got to pick one of these to be in your team. Would it be with Craig Jones of Richmond or Frankie Griffiths of Winchmore Hill? Oh, my God, that's a difficult one. I mean, those, those two are, are, by some distance, the best opening bowlers that I've ever played against. Um, I, I have to choose one. Yes. Yep. 
reluctantly frank. Mm. Uh, any? Can you say why, or is that just too too hard? I I think Frank. I'm trying to think of the formula. The answer in my head really is different. Um, I think Frank probably would bowl better across all the different surfaces that you would find. He'd find a way to do that, and he was through his overs at the, the the pace of a spinner in terms of how long his overs took to bowl. Yeah, you know, he'd be out through an over in two or three minutes. He'd bowl off two or three paces, and the seam was always dead upright. He'd be in the umpire's ear. He'd be in the batsman's ear as well, and he was just incredibly skillful. Um, Craig was. Was was a, again a, a fantastic bowler as well. He was constantly at you, um, quicker than Frank. Probably did less with it in the air, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say Frank just because I, I think probably he'd be better across different conditions and different surfaces. But it's a marginal thing. Seems a fair answer. Um, my first question: Sky Sports or TMS? Sky Sports. I think it's a bit more relevant these days. Any particular reason? It's a bit more relevant, I think. And I don't know. I I, I don't dislike TMS at all. Uh, it's, I don't know. There's a kind of nostalgic reason for saying TMS, I think, with, with Brian Johnston and Blowers and all, and all that crowd but um, and Agnew. But I I, I think the, the analysis that mm. Sky Sports do now, I mean, given what I do for a job That's as great. well, um, I cricket has got a lot of data um associated with it and it's one of the few sports really where you can you can really dive into it and i think they're, they're starting to do an amazing job with all the graphics and the analysis that they do and they've got rid of paul allett as well can i, can I just awesome. say something that's sacrilegious yeah yeah but so's blowers blowers was awful we never watched the game i don't care about buses going down behind the stadium watch the game he's more interested in pigeons in the outfield <laughs> I, I know everybody hates me for saying that but uh, blowers never watched a game he can't speak coherent english you know, he's just a, he's, he just fulfills a certain image that, that people quite like. Or is that, again, most people think I'm bonkers for saying it, but he ain't me. Yeah, I think TMS is... I want people to actually watch the game. TMS kind of harks back to the idea that cricket's all, you know, jolly good chaps and cucumber sandwiches and that sort of stuff. Whereas actually, um, yeah, I, I think now Sky are really up in their game. So. Yeah. Well, if you want CMS, you know you can listen to all five days of the Headingley Test at the moment. I, I heard they're doing uh, that. They're, they're rerunning it. All five, yeah, all five days. I turned on early today. It was raining. <laughs> like, Hang on a minute. You're a rerun of the rain. <laughs> but, you know, I carried on listening to it. So I can't, you know, they're obviously doing something right. Anyway, Sal. Luke, next one for you, mate. Um, Rolls Brand Batten, obviously your top class batsman yourself, but who's... Out of these two, would you have in your side? Would it either be Virat Kohli or Steve Smith? Um, I, I can't really stand either of them, to be honest. But uh, I'll I'll say Virat Kohli because he's not a cheat. Oh, well done! What dear shots fired, Sal? You're going to go back on that one? <laughs> um, and we'll leave that one. Yeah, we'll move on next well, one, Dan. You go ahead, mate. Um, umpires didn't think there was anything wrong with the ball and even if they had it would have been five penalty runs <laughs> you've never played with anyone who's tampered a ball Luke never ever uh, feel free to not answer that but um, <laughs> I don't know I think you know when, when I saw him crying in a press conference I thought guys we, we've not quite got this right if he'd have been caught it'd have been fine five penalty runs um, but yeah I, I, I just you know. I, I don't like either of them really well I don't know either of them for a start so it's probably yeah. massively judgmental of me saying that but um, <laughs> 
It's their, their general demeanour. I, um, I, I don't really like yeah. very much. We, we could have made it easier. We could have said Kane Williamson, who I think, you know, it's pretty impossible to, to, to dislike Kane Williamson and he's a great player. But, yeah, he'd be in there like a shot. Um, moving on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, Twitter or Instagram? Twitter. 100%. I, I have an Instagram account. But do you do Instagram? I, I do have an account, but I, I, I don't really know how it works and I'm a bit of a Luddite with that. All the people I work with are massively into it, but I, I just don't get it. Yeah. I am in completely the same for the record here. Yeah. Oh, of the two formats, Luke, which you prefer? Um, timed format or limited overs? And this is talking about you as a player playing. Uh, limited overs. No, sorry, timed. Okay. Timed. The reason? Um, oh, timed. Okay. So, yeah, I changed my. I said the wrong thing. Um, just because. You get more time to build an innings, I think. Uh, I, I don't like the pink ball very much either. Um, mm. Yeah. I enjoy the limited over stuff as well. Does it, but still, I, does it still break bats, Luke? I mean, I've never really played much pink ball cricket, I'll be honest. But the rumours I always heard were that it, it wasn't really good for your bat. I don't know if that's right. It leaves big pink marks all over it. Um, it definitely feels different when you hit it, yeah. the pink ball. Right. I find. But, um, yeah, I, I'm... I've always been, I, I guess, basically because the majority of the cricket I played in the league was was all day timed cricket, and I I, I really enjoyed that. It was great. I, I, get, I could totally get the reasons for changing to to half and half, and I think it's it needed to be done, and I think it's improved the the standard of of cricket in general and the skills as well. You know, some of the skills you see now in the league are, are insane you know, compared to a few years ago. Um, and I think we should have done it a few seasons earlier than we did, to be honest. But I know Surrey and I think it was the home counties, they've been doing it for you know, a good couple of seasons, if not more, before we adopted it. Uh, there's always the, the same old kind of argument that the best team will always win. But actually, that's probably true. But also you get a lot of meaningless cricket played at the end of the season with, um, with time mm-hmm. cricket. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, going back to your comment on rock music, uh... Pink Floyd or Birmingham's finest Ozzy Osbourne? Pink Floyd, definitely. Now, I'm not really a rock music man myself, but can you can you explain in a way that I'll understand why? <laughs> um, Probably not. <laughs> I'm a bit of a heathen, but uh, Dave Gilmore, the guitarist, is is one of my all time heroes. Uh, I've seen him live quite a few times, and he's incredible. Good enough for okay. me. This is. Talking about some food now, Luke. Um, preferred lunch option, or, or, or even with dinner, it would be a Sunday roast or fish and chips. Oh, you asked Thorpey this one last week, didn't you? I'll, I'll go with a Sunday roast. You yep. did, yes. Sunday roast. Okay. I think he did, Sal, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. It's I quite popular Sunday roast. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. got a good taste. Cool. <laughs> um, my next question. If you had the choice of batting one more time and one more time only, okay. would you bat at Ealing or would you bat at Winchmore Hill? Um, Ealing, I think. Ironically, I, I, I enjoy batting equally at both, but uh, Ealing is somewhere I've played all my life, so I have to say Ealing. But Winchmore Hill is yep. beautiful as well. So Ealing and... Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, you know, anyone who doesn't like playing cricket in either of those grounds doesn't like cricket. Um, but leaving those two to one side, mm-hmm. if if you could play at one more one more ground, what's your favourite ground to play on? 
Uh, feel free to say no answer, but um, have to be Lords, really. I think you know that was yeah, somewhere I'd always dreamed Can't dreamed of playing, and and lucky enough to play there a couple of times, and it's it's incredible. I mean, once you get off the mark, you don't want to get naught there. <laughs> it's, once, <laughs> once you get off the mark, you're kind of free to enjoy yourself. So, um, and the, lun- yeah, the lunch but- is different gravy as well. So. Good stuff. Okay, um, Luke, we're going to talk about some moments in cricket which might have sort of scared you slightly. So the first, the options here are, so obviously you've faced some quick bowlers in your time. Is your scariest moment in cricket facing Kirk Powell or, this is obviously not facing a bowler, hearing about the football playing ghost in the way change room at Ealing once. I heard there was a ghost apparently lurking around which gave you the, gave you the, gave you the fright. And do you want to elaborate on that story as well if you can? Yeah. It needs to be elaborated on, please, yeah. Yeah, so... so... Um, I, I used to work behind a bar at Ealing when I was at university and my parents used to live, you know, they still live over the road. I was staying, staying there then and I had to lock up one night and there'd been various reports of, of strange noises and sort of ghostly happenings there over the years. And I, I was going upstairs to check the changing rooms and as I was upstairs on the, the sort of balcony where both changing rooms lead off, um, in the away dressing room, there was there was this massive bang from the inside of the door and the door was locked. I knew that because I I got the key in my hand and I knew that it was locked and uh, I, I still don't know what it was. And it, it absolutely freaked me out. So <laughs> I went downstairs, um, poured myself a beer and I, I had to call my dad to come over and uh, keep me company while I locked up because <laughs> I was trembling. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was definitely weird. Um, and there have been a couple of other noises over the years that have happened there as well, um, kind of unexplained. Uh, so that was that was pretty scary. And then, yeah, Kirk Powell was was a fantastic bowler for Hampstead. Um, I'm not sure too many people will remember him, but he he opened the bowling for Jamaica uh, for a while. And I remember the first the first game we played against Hampstead when he was playing for them. He was warming up. He had his kind of Oakley sunglasses and Jamaican coloured kit. Um, in the warm up, and he was sprinting up and down. He was a really tall guy, and um, I think I was batting with Raj Rao. I was at the non-striker's end, and he he bowled the first ball to Raj, and Raj nicked it in front of his face. And the slip, uh, the guy at first slip got his hands to sort of shoulder width apart, just about, and the ball was already over the ropes. So, um, yeah, he was he was pretty pretty rapid, um, and also very tall, which wasn't very nice. But the ghost was probably scarier. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't care what anyone says, Luke. I mean, you know, we, we can all laugh about it now. It sounds a bit daft. But if you're in Ealing Cricket Club, the lights are off, it's midnight, and there's no noises banging away. Yeah, yeah. I can see why that's a bit unnerving. Um, and I think most other folks could too. Um, on to other things. Stokes or Botham? Stokes. Definitely. Um, now, uh, Jamie said that last week as well. Yeah. Yeah, I... Obviously, in both of them was was incredible at, at the time, the era that he played in. But the, the, the skill levels that the players have these days, the fitness levels, and you know what Stokes did in the World Cup and you know in the, the Test matches last year was just absolutely incredible. And I don't care what anyone says. Don't spoil it for me. I'm listening to it <laughs> on TMS tomorrow. I don't know what's going on. Turn it off quick. Um, 
Yeah, and and yeah. and what what he yeah. did, I'm sorry, is is that, that for me at least is is a far more significant achievement than than both of them at Headingley in '81. The only thing I would say about Headingley '81 is that it was a really bang average year in British history. You know, riots everywhere, the British state were falling apart. You know, toxins yeah. and all that stuff, and and cricket oddly was was the one thing that seemed to pick people up um at that time anyway but i mean i totally get what you're saying i'm not saying i'm not, not saying it you're wrong at all but 81 was an odd year and botham played his role in a in a wider sort of story whereas of course stokes is his genuine cricket story i think also with, with what stokes went, we went through with that incident in in bristol as well to come back from that fair call and, yep. and achieve what he did was was really special and his ginger as well <laughs> 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 yeah okay good. Luke last one on the quiz um, you've actually mentioned both um, games as well both situations so which achievement stands up most for you um, winning the evening standard final against summary where obviously you mentioned about it was such a close game and you know you were sure captain that game as well from what I remember yeah. or playing at Lords which one of the two stands out the most uh, I think Lords Lords is nice, but I, I'd say the Evening Standard. I mean, that, that was my last game as captain of Ealing, and Blanny's last game as well. And the way the way it all turned out was perfect. We, we should have played that game at the Oval, but it was rained off the week before. So me and the um, Sunbury captain tossed a coin, and whoever won would would host the game the following week. So you know, the fact that we played that at Ealing, we had a really great crowd down. It was a good day for the club in terms of bar takings and um. You know, to to win that game from where we won it from was was really good. And you know, Blanny got I think forty five not out at the end, and you know, we got down right to the last man. Tahir Afridi was batting, and he kept trying to reverse sweep it and stuff, which was not not really good for our nerves on the balcony. But um, eventually, um, yeah, I think Blanny Blanny kind of lap swept one over their forty five fielder to win the game from memory, and. Yeah, the, the whole day was amazing, and there, there's some great photos knocking around of spraying champagne, and there was, yeah, in terms of you know going out on high, that was you couldn't really ask for a, a better script for that one. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, one final question from us, I guess, Luke, and it's not not a quiz question, but it sort of is in a way because. You know, Luke Stanton, born and bred uh, in Ealing, is nicknamed, as everybody knows, the Barnsley Beast. Um, can you please elaborate? <laughs> Where does this come from? Oh, God. Um, yeah, so it was Jitin Ball who was our wicketkeeper. Um, fantastic wicketkeeper for Ealing for a number of years. And it must have been around 2002, something like that. There was a, a headline in one of, the, one of the tabloid newspapers. And it said, The Beast of Barnsley. And... There had been phone calls to the RSPCA in Barnsley about there being a lion on the loose. And uh, it turned out that it was a golden retriever called Rocky. Uh, he, he got eczema all over his body, apart from on his, his head and his neck and his tail. So he looked like a lion. And um, <laughs> I, I was at university at the time and I, I had some sort of weird facial hair going on. And Jet said it looked like me. And for some reason it stuck. and. Yeah, it's still going strong. So that's that's why, unfortunately, it's nothing more flattering. But um, yeah, you asked. I think the best nicknames are the ones that people 
don't really have any idea why they exist. They're, they're the nicknames that work. Um, and, and that is a perfect example. That's fantastic. And it clearly it works. It's stuck around for the best part of yeah, time. Yeah, it's, it's certainly difficult to shake off. I'm quite used to it now, though. I quite like it. <laughs> All good. All good. Sal, did you... Um, do you want to say something about where we're going next week with our pod? Yeah, before, before we say goodbye to Luke, um, we are going to continue the theme of top quality batsmen. So we actually have two for the price of one next week. We've got two, um, give a couple of clues here. I'm sure people will work out eventually who they are. Two guys last year who had a massive impact on um, North Middlesex win the league. Um, two young batsmen as well. And we've managed to get both of them on next week as well. They both agreed to come on. So we're going to have... Two for the price one, as I said. Um, I'm really looking forward to having these two guys on next week. Um, and they can talk about, obviously, all sorts of cricket uh, from last year and also their current situations because they're both also at um, Middlesex as well. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, Luke, it's been great having you on. Um, lo- loads of great insight there, um, as well as some, some really nice stories. So um, you, you are obviously, you know, providing we get a season you're, you're playing in this coming season. You're ready and raring to go as and yeah, when we are all in. Yeah, least. I'm going to go and play for Winchwell Hill again, actually. Um, so uh, I wasn't going to play any any league cricket at all this year, but um, I'm, I'm really good friends with Della to Blanche, and he's kind of asked me over the last few years um, ah. in the off season whether I want to go back and play at the Hill, and I've always said no. And I thought, well, actually, rather than sitting around not doing anything, if I can play a few games for them and help them out, maybe in his absence then probably better better use of my time so um, plus it's yeah and Della's on the mend right many people will know that he had a, he's had a tough uh, he had a tough 2019 yeah yeah to put it mildly and um, he's he's doing all right um obviously it's life-changing mm-hmm. and he's he's still the same guy um but you know it's it's very sad what's happened and he's he's fighting very hard and he's making good progress and he's getting great great medical care as well um but yeah we just wish him all the best and hopefully he'll get down and watch a few games this season absolutely yeah i think fingers crossed and you know fingers crossed we do we do get a season in and, and you do get a few few games to play there um come what may work we'll be um continuing to pod through the season as well we're, we're just for people who might be interested we're, we're planning to have a podcast every sunday evening where we um we sort of chew the fat about the results, uh, about who's done what, who's not done what, um, and you know, there may come a time loop where we try and uh, try and twist your arm to get get you back on um, to, to give your give your views on the state of the county league uh, as things are hopefully hotting up, say in mid August, and we're and um, we're looking at an entertaining title running. In the meantime, thanks again. We really appreciate it. And, thanks, guys. Uh, and see Good you fun. soon. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Take care.